Thanks for joining us for the Heritage Bible Church podcast from Lincoln, Nebraska. We desire to be a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify Christ and love people well. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. It's a great privilege to be able to bring the Word this morning. Thankful for the opportunity. I was talking with a friend before the service, and it's been over two years since I've done this, and so I'm grateful for the chance to be able to open the Word with you this morning and learn together how we can better rest in Jesus. The alarm clock rings. Here we go. Dressed. Check. Grab an energy drink. Head out the door. Hop in the truck. Turn on the podcast. Maybe Al Mohler, John Piper, an audiobook, sports radio. Depends on the mood of the morning. Some mornings I head to a breakfast meeting. Bagels and Joe is the preferred spot. Hop back in the truck. Drive to Home Depot. Grab materials. Chat with Linda, the cashier. Back in the truck. Back to the audiobook on how to eliminate hurry on 1.7 speed. <laughs> Ironic, right? Head to the job site, drop the trailer, get the crew started, hop back in the truck, call a sub to get an update on a different project. Head to a new client's house to meet about a future project, hop back in the truck. The energy drink is now gone. Swing by another project to finish a punch list. Text my crew to see how the first job is coming. Get a text from home with pictures of the kids. They're growing up so fast. I need to respond or Polly will ask if I'm alive. (laughs) It's lunchtime. Well, it's actually 2 p.m. No time for lunch today. Maybe I'll grab some Casey's Pizza if I'm in the area. More audiobooks or music. Text updates to clients on their projects mostly with material delays. Maybe a second energy drink? Probably not a good idea. Don't tell my mom. Crank out a few estimates on the computer, order materials for the job next week, respond to clients' questions about previous estimates, head back to job one to grab the trailer. The podcast is off. I can't concentrate as I'm thinking about how we will hit certain deadlines. Drive home. The kids have already eaten supper, so I grab food while trying to play with them. Now begins the dance party. Jackson asks for song. We oblige. On comes journeys. Don't stop believing. We all begin to dance around the kitchen. Jackson clearly has the best moves. Text updates from clients are sandwiched between bath time and nightly snuggles for the kids. We read several books and watch a bit of Cars. Jackson is down, now for Lola. We snuggle, have story time, pray and sing, maybe we work on a memory verse. Lola is down, so we hope. To the garage, brief workout, maybe a little bit longer depending on when I had my last energy drink. Back inside. Visit with Polly while watching some sports team, recently Duke, soon the Braves. More texts. I open QuickBooks. I file receipts. Maybe a little work on music for Sunday. Now to bed. We watch part of the show. We sleep. The alarm clock rings. Let's do it again. And again. And again. And again. This is a fairly normal week. We are busy, so are you. Have you ever wanted more dedicated time to study the Word? To pray? To teach your kids the things of God? To love on your neighbors? Do you need more time to care for your body? Do you need more time to decompress casting your cares and anxieties on the Lord? Do you need more time for real rest? Not just moments of escape. Do you wish you had that time? Most of you have probably answered yes to many of these items. And I have good news for you this morning. 
God, the Creator of the universe, gives you permission to stop. To stop the normal routines of your life for a routine that you and I desperately need. Rest. My aim today as we open the Scriptures is to show that Sabbath is a gracious gift from God for the good of His people. The Sabbath, friends, was made for man. This mini-series came about as informative for Dustin's sabbatical that he is soon set to take, but it is much more than merely for Dustin. It's for you. It's for me. As a quick note here, whenever you approach topical preaching, it is more challenging as you're trying to cover the breadth of a subject across the whole of the Scriptures. In full transparency, this is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, sermon I've ever had to prepare. There are going to be people who are on both sides of where exactly this lands with the Sabbath and what exactly that looks like. There are going to be people today who are concerned that there is too much emphasis on rest and not enough on work. Can I say this to start? First of all, we will be doing a mini-series on work. So those of us who struggle with emphasizing rest to the neglect of work, that day will come. For those who struggle with the continuity of Sabbath from Old Testament to New, can I challenge you to embrace this. Regardless of how you tie together the Testaments, the principle of Sabbath is intended to be not a burden, but a great blessing for you. What is Sabbath? Take your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We start at the beginning to cover a topic that's misunderstood often, neglected often as well. We're going to do a flyby in the Old Testament. We don't have time this morning to be able to cover everything. But I think what we do cover will be helpful as we seek to walk from here and be doers of the word that we hear. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. If you're familiar with the Sabbath, the Jews use a phrase for it and they call it Shabbat. It means to stop or to cease. The language of Genesis 2 literally says this, God finished His work that He had done and He Shabbated on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. God ceased from His making, from His doing. This is the first time that we see this language. We move to Exodus chapter 16. This is where we first see the word Sabbath. You'll probably be familiar with this text. This is the story of the manna in the wilderness for the people of God. The Exodus story is one of my favorites in the Scripture. It has blown my mind so much when I think about this because it is literal days after God's deliverance of His people from Egypt with signs and wonders in which these people are doubting God and saying it would have been better for them to have died in Egypt. Do you remember what happened? 
But they come into this moment and they're complaining about not having food and God provides manna from heaven. And He gives these decrees where He says, you are going to gather for five days what you need for that day and no more. And there are some who gathered more. Do you remember what happens? The extra that they gather stinks and it has worms. We're probably not going to be eating that. On the sixth day, there's a different command that you need to gather what you need for two days. There's not going to be a stench. There's not going to be worms. But if you don't gather for two and you go out on the seventh, there's not going to be anything. We then move to Exodus chapter 20. The Ten Commandments. We know this pretty well. The fourth command. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy or unique to the Lord. The reasoning for this is going back to creation that God in six days did His work and rested on the seventh. This included for Israel their family, their animals, their guests. We move to Leviticus 25. There was a land Sabbath. As I studied this more, just read about it more, this is truly a fascinating thing. That every seventh year, there was a decree from the Lord to His people that they would not sow or reap the land for the year. Also in Leviticus 25, we see what I will refer to as a debt Sabbath. The number seven, certainly a critical thing that one in seven you had Sabbath. Every seven years you had a land Sabbath. And seven times seven would lead you to what is called the year of Jubilee. where debt and property were to be restored or forgiven. We look at the penalty for violation of the Sabbath, and it was serious. Death. God took this seriously. So what's the purpose for this? What was the purpose for God with Israel for the Sabbath? I'll suggest to you this morning that there are three purposes that are really interconnected and all tied together. There's a spiritual purpose, there's a physical purpose, there's a mental purpose, and there's overlap in all of these. So as you hear some of these under one heading, you may think that it belongs under the other, and it probably does. The spiritual purpose of the Sabbath God said to keep the Sabbath holy. In Ezekiel, over and over again, one of the refrains that is brought out in condemnation against Israel is that you have profaned my Sabbaths. What's the difference? The profaning was to make this ordinary. The making it holy was making it unique. God said this would be a sign between Him and Israel. In that time, you would not have had to wonder who was a follower of God if you were able to spend time around them for about seven days. You would find out. They took it seriously at least at times. And in the moments when they didn't, God certainly called them out. But this was a sign between God and His people. It was also a test of Israel's trust of their God. Think about this. With the manna, go gather what you need for one day. Are you going to trust that there's going to be more there the next day? On the sixth day, gather for two days. Are you going to trust that it's not going to stink and have worms? 
Are you going to rest in your God? There's a spiritual purpose of Sabbath which implies we're not going to work, we're going to receive. Think about this seven-year land Sabbath. We're not going to sow or reap for a year. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Someone said, John, you should take a year off your business. I'd look right at them and say, you're crazy. What was the purpose? Is Israel going to trust their God? In connection to this point, I want you to go there so you can see it. Turn to Leviticus 25. I know had I been there, this would have been one of my questions. And he answers it. Leviticus 25.18 Therefore you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them and then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? I would have been saying that. If we may not sow or gather in our crop. Verse 21, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crop arrives. What's the point? Israel had to rely on God to do this. They had to trust. Another part of the spiritual purpose was worship, learning. We'll get into more of this in some of the others, but this was a time in which they would go to synagogue. We see this as it moves into the the New Testament specifically. But festivals, celebrations, remembrance, Passover. There was worship, there was learning. The scrolls opened on the Sabbath. The people were taught. There's also the spiritual purpose of doing good. Think about Jesus. I think about Him as He's encountering these religious leaders. And He's almost looking at them as if to say, is it okay if I would do something good for this person on the Sabbath? And then saying, let me answer that. Yes. There was not just a spiritual purpose, there was a physical purpose. This is real. We start in Genesis 2, we see after creation, God rests from the works that He has done. We move clear forward to the end, speaking about Sabbath in Hebrews 4, and it says, ceasing from works in order to enter the Sabbath rest. It is bookend. From resting after creation, from resting for redemption. But the physical peace is so cool to read. Later on in Exodus chapter 31, as it's giving an account of this, it said, God rested and was refreshed. How amazing is that? Certainly not because God lacked something. But God embracing this Why? Well, as we see from passages like the Ten Commandments, this was ultimately going to point to a good thing for His people. The physical purpose of the Sabbath is for sake of longevity. We'll get into this more later on. We know this to be true. If you run your animals every day, what's going to happen with your animals? They're going to wear out. 
If you run every day, what's going to happen? You're going to run out. And if you refuse to embrace this, there are natural consequences, right? This is a real thing. The purpose of Sabbath was for longevity, for health, for rest, for refreshment. There was also a mental peace. True delight. As I said, these things certainly overlap. But Isaiah 58 describes how the Sabbath should be a time to delight in the Lord. To delight in the works of His hands. According to the rabbis, two of the family's main duties on the Sabbath day were to praise God and to enjoy the best food and drink in the home. The Sabbath was a time of festival, in a way, a party, a celebration, delighting in God. We're going to shut off the cares of the rest of this week, and we're going to embrace from His hands these good gifts. I loved listening to many of these stories, but just this idea of people finding food, even for Jews later on, some special roast that they would buy and say, we're going to save this for Sabbath. This exquisite bottle of wine that they would find and say, we're saving it for Sabbath. Why? We're going to delight in these things as gifts from our God. It was a time to pause for the purpose of delighting in God. It was a time of remembrance. Deuteronomy 5 hits on this. as It's kind of a recounting of the Ten Commandments, but it moves further on to say that on the Sabbath, you would remember your deliverance from Egypt. You would remember how God rescued you. As time went on, things began to get added to Sabbath restrictions. The religious leaders tried to be able to make a decision of what could and couldn't be done for every situation that would ever be encountered on the Sabbath. Can you imagine just for a moment what that would be like to be on that council? We're going to try and think of every scenario that could possibly come up and make a decision for this. That would be a terrible job. And this is what ultimately leads us to Jesus in our text this morning. So turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're going to read starting in verse 23 to the end of the chapter. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he, Jesus, said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. When we come to Jesus and we consider this idea of Sabbath, it almost seems like as we walk through the Gospels that if Jesus was up to something, it was probably going to be on the Sabbath. Jesus, in this moment, however, has an opportunity 
to either clarify, do away with, or just ignore the issue of the Sabbath that's raised by the religious leaders. Jesus' issue with these religious leaders was not the fact that they thought Sabbath was important. Jesus' issue with these religious leaders is that they missed why the Sabbath was important. What the purpose of it was. In this context, as Jesus is interacting with these people, one of the points that He's trying to make is, you have made the Sabbath a burden instead of a blessing. And I can't help but wonder today, if Jesus was here, If he were to say to us, friends, you have a blessing that you have decided to just leave on the shelf. Jesus' point in interacting with these religious leaders was to emphasize so clearly that they had missed the point that this was not a burden, this was meant to be a blessing. But today in our culture, I can't help but wonder if Jesus would say to us, you're considering the blessing to be a burden. Regardless of how you view the connectivity of the Old and the New Testament, regardless of how you want to view what was done away with as we enter into the New Covenant, I don't think that you can represent the Scripture fairly by not embracing the Sabbath principle that rest is a gracious gift for the good of people. There's a real peace that is a physical gift. And there's a real peace that's a spiritual gift. We're familiar with this text also from Jesus. Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think it's so cool that Dustin just recently preached on Jesus at the temple. And as Jesus begins to clarify and go deeper, one of the things that he hits on and makes clear to these people is, I am the temple. And one of the cool parts with Matthew 11 in the spiritual reality, which certainly flows over into the physical reality, is that Jesus, in essence, is making this claim. I am the Sabbath. I am the rest for your souls. So how do these two things pair together? How do we embrace the spiritual reality that Jesus is the rest that our souls need, while also embracing the physical reality of stopping and ceasing for the good of our bodies, our minds, and our souls. I don't think it's impossible to have both. And I think as we walk through the rest of this together, we'll see that they go hand in hand as a beautiful gift. The bookends, as I mentioned earlier, of Sabbath are God resting from His works, entering Sabbath in Genesis 2, and us resting from our works, entering Sabbath in Hebrews chapter 4. We will not 
enter the Sabbath by works. What a gift of grace. So how does this connect to us today? I think a couple thoughts will lead us into these suggestions. As we consider the created order, one of the things that I do think we need to consider is that Genesis 2 was pre-Israel. Pre-Israel. God blessed that seventh day. He made it unique. There is a sense in which part of this has to flow past just Israel. The Ten Commandments remind us of this. We pretty easily hold for the others. We go to some texts in the New Testament. I get of why we would not hold to Sabbath. But again, the principle, I think, continues regardless. As we consider the physical gift of Sabbath for us today, here are points for our consideration. As Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man. Jesus says that stopping and ceasing is actually for the good of human flourishing. This is the gift. When you consider stopping and ceasing, whether you want to call it Sabbath or you want to call it something else, when you consider stopping and ceasing, this is how I would encourage you to think about this. This is not something that I have to do. This is something that I get to do. Do you see the difference there? This is not holding an unhealthy burden and weight over a people. It's lifting them up with a great blessing. That the God of the universe says, John, it's okay to stop. What a great gift. Stopping and ceasing identifies the people of God specifically as it relates to their identity, not in their work or in their vocation, but as people who trust God. When you and I are willing to say, I'm going to stop. Directly tied to that is a very real piece of saying, I'm going to trust. When you think about resting, this is certainly not all that is involved in resting, but you should think about sleep. When you and I sleep, what better picture than that to say, I trust you. Who is going to keep my body going when I'm asleep? We know the answer to that, right? It's God. When I rest... I communicate very clearly to my own heart as well as to the people around me that I trust my God. As we think about the good of human flourishing, we know this from experience. We need rhythm. When things run to chaos... There's sickness, there's disorder. As I said before, if you push this too far without resting, how this ends up working by God's design is your body will shut down. At some point, it will. 
whether that's sickness, burnout, mental health, whatever you want to call it, if you choose to neglect this gift, you will end up at some point in a place that you do not want to be. So we come to sabbaticals. I've talked at least with a good amount of people about this. And I'm actually surprised by the amount of people that are completely unfamiliar with this. Because our culture recognizes it maybe in more areas than you're aware. Sabbaticals don't just stay in the theological or church realm. They happen in the educational spheres. College professors have sabbaticals. Teachers, if they choose to do so, have a sabbatical, though it's not called that in the summer. Workplaces offer this. Kate Rodriguez, in an article from a secular magazine, says this, many firms, including 25 of Fortune's 100 best companies to work for now offer sabbaticals. 25%. These typically four to ten week pauses allow employees time out to focus on their needs instead of the organization's. It's not selfish to take a sabbatical if it makes you better at your job. Many companies now offer unlimited vacation policy. Why? Because they think they're getting less from their workers? I don't think so. I don't think I'd be doing that for my workers. Why? Because there's a very real peace that when people are rested, it's better. So for you this morning, for me this morning, how do we embrace Sabbath? I want to read two verses to you before we jump into direct application. Romans 14, verse 5 says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Colossians 2.16 Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. So I'm going to start here. As we move to what I'm going to deem suggestions for you as you consider embracing Sabbath. I want to be clear, we don't believe that keeping some day aids in your justification. We don't believe that whether you hold to certain restrictions on yourself or for your family, that that somehow makes you more of a Christian. But can I say this morning, friends, that if you don't embrace Sabbath and rest much at all, that you are missing out. You're missing out. Why? Well, think of some of 
what our kids do. I think of this with my daughter. Lola hates to take naps. She hates it. When I say to her, it's time for nap time, there is just excuse on top of excuse on top of excuse, but most of it is tied to, I'm not tired. I'm not sleepy. And in those moments, I find myself thinking, man, if I could take a nap right now, boy, I'd take that. And what am I thinking for Lola? You're missing out. Because what ends up happening later on? Most of the time, her bedtime's probably around 7.30, 8 o'clock. But on the days when she doesn't take a nap, it's earlier than that. What's the point? There are real things that we potentially miss out on because we don't embrace this beautiful gift of resting. So consider these objections. And as I share these with you, I want you to know the reason that I was able to write these down is because I thought of these pretty quickly. Objections to why I can't stop. The first one. People need me. People need me. I am important. I'm a key cog in this wheel that turns, and if I am not here doing my thing, life is going to fall apart. Now, obviously I overplayed that. Because I certainly shouldn't say that out loud. But the truth is, that's how I live my life sometimes. John, why can't you stop? This needs me. Does it? Consider this text from Psalm 127. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Those who build the house labor in vain unless the Lord builds it. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake for no purpose. We are not as important friends as we think. But I'm the provider, John. I'm the protector. I'm the sustainer of my family. Are you? I get it. I know God's call to husbands and fathers. I know. But is it possible that we think that we are more of the provider and protector and sustainer than we really are? Yeah. One of the illustrations that just proves this point so clearly in my life is whenever I fly. I feel like the time leading up to getting on the flight. I'm just like going crazy, trying to do stuff, get stuff done. Why? Because I know for three hours 
I'm going to be disconnected from life. And now they've got the Wi-Fi. I haven't embraced that yet, but I probably will at some point. But it's like I get into that flight and it's like I can't text, I can't call, I don't have an email. And I get off the flight and it's like they made it. They made it without me. Wow. This is what I think. And there is a freedom, friends, honestly, when I get on that airplane because I'm like, there's nothing I can do. If someone sends me a text and it's like, John, I've been trying to get a hold of you for three hours. I'm on an airplane. What do you want me to do? John, I needed you. I was resting. And God's got you. It's okay. So I think I'm more important than I am. Another objection is I don't trust God. I don't really trust Him. Is He really going to take care of me? If I were to stop, is He really going to take care of me? Psalm 4 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Another objection, I'm not content. I want more. I have goals. And because of my goals, it means that I have to work more and harder and longer. Well, John, maybe you should rethink your goals. Maybe it's that I have sin in my life that I can't embrace rest because the way of the transgressor is hard. There's no rest for his soul. And the last piece of the I can't is I didn't plan. When you think about the beauty of the Sabbath in the Old Testament for Israel, they did not have to wonder when it was. What's so cool about this is it's the seventh day. Now, listen, please hear this. I'm not putting a restriction on you of what the day is or how you do this. What I'm merely telling you is if you don't plan for this, you're rarely ever going to do this. They knew it was going to be the seventh day and they knew when it started. Why? The sun went down. Should we start it or not? Yep, it went down. One of the reasons that we can't do this is we didn't plan to do it. But then there's also this side. I won't do it. I don't see the value. I just go, 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 and I'm fine. Like I get sick for a little while and then we go and we do it again. Well, I hope that you see more of the value this morning. I won't because I don't believe it's binding. We've hit on this already, but I hope that regardless of how you view this, you can see that this gift should be embraced. Another thing is I won't embrace the resting and the stopping because there is too much to do. And I put in parentheses, There is too much good to do. Why? That can be an excuse for us, right? I'm doing good. Think about Mary and Martha. You remember this story? Was Martha doing something that in and of itself was wrong? to be doing? No, she was serving. And do you remember the words of Jesus to her? 
You are troubled, Martha, about many things. One thing is necessary. She, Mary, has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's a place for doing. There's also a place for just resting. When we refuse to rest or catch up on rest, something or someone suffers. You can ask the guys who work with me. They know when John is not very rested. I think about the story from Jesus' life. It it tells us when he woke up very early in the morning to go pray. But what I think is so cool about this as we read more about the life of Jesus is that Jesus didn't cheat the system. We also read about Jesus asleep in a boat in the midst of a ridiculous storm. And the disciples had to wake him. What's the point in that? Jesus certainly had days where he got up early because there were things that needed to be done specifically for him in that moment prayer. But he also slept. We're going to get into this more next week on the example of Jesus with rest. It's like you go to a certain point and it's like Jesus is like, I'm out guys, I'm going to sleep. You got the boat. It's a massive storm. He's still asleep. When I think of this too, the other thing that I think of is, John, you, you have moments in your life where it's just like, life is crazy and we cannot rest right now. And I want you to turn there. I know we're going long. I'm sorry for this. We'll be done here soon. I want you to turn to Psalm 46. Sometimes our life is so crazy that we think, I can't do this. I cannot rest. I cannot stop. There's, there's too much going on. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a lot going on here. Pretty massive events. And we get to the end of Psalm 46, and what is the admonition from the Lord? Be still and know that I'm God. Even in the midst of the chaos and the busyness, embrace this as a good gift from your Father. So, quick suggestions for you. Plan. Plan to Sabbath. We need rhythm. Most of us, if we're honest, could maybe only say that the rhythm that we have is we're busy. But plan for regular times of rest. Make it fun for your family. Get good food. Sleep in. Shut off the TV. Leave the phone behind. Take time, extended time, to rest. Think physical, sleep, food and drink, walks, workouts. Think mental. Let your cares be cast on another. Take times to just recalibrate life. Sometimes we think this. I don't have time to do that. This could be some of that time for you. Think spiritual. Remember your deliverance. Take moments to just thank your God that He has rescued your soul. Take good time in the Word and in prayer. Here's a side note. Obviously, I can't make you do this, but use a regular Bible. I've kind of gotten away from this um, recently and want to get back more to this. Why? It's easy for me when I'm here on my phone scrolling through whatever for the passage, and alerts come up. Things come up. Messages come up. And it's just so easy. We're then there. We may not even open it, but we're thinking about it. 
Take time where you can be away from that to just focus on the Word. Enjoy your God and His gracious gifts. Embrace the already rest that you have while looking forward to that eternal Sabbath rest. Don't assume Sundays is that time. Sundays are often very busy, filled with many things. And teach your family about embracing the gift of rest. Model it. Show it. Talk about it. So for Dustin specifically, why have we encouraged this? Well, we think, based on what we've just shared, that this is healthy for all peoples. But specifically for Dustin, I have two main points that I'm going to bring out of why we encouraged him to do this. Based on the passage that he read earlier, Hebrews 13, his task is different than the vast majority of the other people in this building. Dustin, with the elders, is tasked with being a watcher for souls as one who will give an account. And if you've never thought about that, I encourage you to think about it because that is a heavy weight. Certainly as he shared, it can be a great joy. But it is also a heavy weight. Think of the trauma and or drama in your life this past year due to sin and the brokenness of this world. Imagine being brought into that trauma and or drama dozens upon dozens upon dozens of time in a single year. This is heavy. Imagine most gatherings of the church being expected to lead and give. Imagine that the rest or the break for others where they come to be fed is a time of your greatest pouring out. Think of your study of the Word. Most consume for their own souls only. The pastor consumes not just for his own soul, but to give regularly. The second part is this. His job affects us all. It affects this body. I want you to think over the last few years and just think about all these Christian leaders who have fallen. Do you know who that affects? Countless people. And I can't help but wonder if some of those men would have been greatly blessed and checked by a time of Sabbath. 1 Timothy 4 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will both save yourself and your hearers. Kevin DeYoung said, We can't run incessantly and expect to run very well. In order to run well, we've got to take breaks from running. So Hebrews 12 as we close, we run with endurance looking to Jesus. We want Dustin to not just be a firework that blows up for a short season. We want him to be a fire that burns for a long, long time. And friends, can we say this? We want that for you too. So as I close, I want to close with the clincher of all this, which is so beautiful. Hebrews chapter 4. As we embrace the physical reality of rest, I don't want you to miss the spiritual reality of rest. What ultimately puts your soul at rest is not some list of do's and don'ts. It's a person, and His name is Jesus. So this morning, if you don't know Him, I plead with you to come to Him. Because He offers you rest. If you do know Him, I pray that you would run to Him. Because in chaos, in busyness, in disorder, He is rest for your soul. And one day, one of the beautiful things about that new creation is there will be rest. Because we will be like Jesus. With Him forever. No more sin, no more brokenness. We will have true rest. I want that for you, friends. I want that for me. So let's pray.
together now and ask for His grace. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the beautiful gift the permission that you have granted to stop. Please help us to see that for what it is and embrace it as a good thing for the good of ourselves, our neighbors, and ultimately your glory. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.